2008. Oh my gosh. You did 2008 bicep curls. That really, that hurt, man. Oh, wow. You must be just so jacked. I I can't believe that you had that in you. That's that's incredible. I almost wish I'd been there right from the start. Yeah. Nah, it would have been boring. It's the same old shit, but yeah. Got to do the left arm next, but I'll do that after this. Yeah, because I I did think that your left arm was noticeably smaller. How often (laughs) do you actually go back and keep it... um, I suppose, equal between sides. Um, I just start on my left. Uh-huh. So I, I, I try and do a few more on my left. Okay. Then, uh, then, you know, because my left is noticeably. Yeah. Sort of shrimpy. You know, yeah. Weaker shrimpy. Okay. Um, yeah. It's like, I don't know. Like, how do you really, I would like to start using my left hand or my left side of my body in just various day to day life activities. Yeah. But I'm not going to do that. You like, know. I'm going to just could start, you know, hold jerking off with my left hand. But um, and how far is that going to get you? No, not very far. I mean, I, I admire you. I think one of the challenges would be just keeping track of the count. Like, I know it seems silly, but just counting in a row all the way through. How do you know you're not skipping numbers? How do you know you've not zoned out and repeated a number? That's almost like a mental level to this whole exercise as well, beyond just the physical challenge. Yeah, it is. But I've always kind of thought that about, you know, especially bicep curls because I, of how many I do usually in one sitting, that it is, it's a mental workout as much as a, an arm workout. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the right you know, side of your brain is so much more um, engorged than the left. Yeah. What's the right side of the brain again? Uh, I think that's the maths and the numbers one, but now I'm doubting myself. Yeah. No, maths and numbers never been. Oh, is that left brain? Oh, I don't know. Is that even true anymore? Do we know if that's do we know if that's true? I don't know. Even if we if we if I have a brain, what's the frontal cortex? A frontal cortex is that emotions? I don't know much about. I'm not confident in any of my knowledge of brain. <laughs> what about the primal part of the brain? Is that something else completely? Uh, I'm googling frontal cortex. Um, very scientific. Um, okay. Reward, attention, short-term memory tasks, planning, and motivation. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm big on reward. Um, the other one's yeah. not so much. Yeah. Well, maybe you should be working on that. Try bashing your head into a table 2008 times. See how it goes. I actually have... Um, now that you bring this up, I have actually, have, have actually bashed my head against a cupboard once. Um. I think in a fit of depression. Oh, God. Um, in like a dramatic statement, just like a single yeah. kind of like, a, uh, or was it like a, was it real, like sort of no. in, a deliberate intensive, like, er, there's, you know, like I'm trying to hurt myself. Yeah, it was the second one. Like I was, this is probably, <laughs> I just got like really real, really sharply, but it was, <clears throat> I was like drinking by myself and then, I was like confused about a few things in my life, so a lot of a lot's changed. Um, that's a joke. I have changed. You know, I don't bash my head against the wall anymore. Without well, this was one time. Oh god, spiraling <laughs> already. But I was drunk by myself, and you know, I just started bashing my head against the cupboard, and to the point where I 
bled. To the point that he bled? Yeah. What kind of cupboard like, was it? Wooden. Like a solid wooden um, wardrobe sort of thing. Yeah, no, it was like a... Um, you're actually in that house. <laughs> You've actually been in the house. The um, at at uh, Clapham, it was like the the cut the mug drawer, like that's kind of elevated oh, a like, little bit, like a um, a kitchen cupboard. Yeah, kitchen cupboard. Right. Oh God. <laughs> well, that's um that's yeah. a sad state of affairs. Did you, it was um, yeah, and did... it, it's a weird thing that like, like at the time didn't think it was sad. But, you know, it's only after, and this has been a theme, and this has been a theme on, on the podcast, you know, we've talked about it a few times, that I just cannot seem to work out what I'm feeling in the present. Like, I'm always like, I, I was, I'm always like retroactively realized that I was happy or sad or confused. Or, I yeah. think I'm not good at labeling. I'm trying to get better at labeling uh, my emotions and my feelings. But I find it quite difficult. Yeah. No, that's um. It's good that it's not something that's happened again. I'm sorry that it no. did happen at the time. Do no, you want to that. test yourself now and describe how you're feeling right now, and then in a couple of days, when you listen back to the pod, do you think you'll have enough distance to know whether or not it's true? No, I think it needs to be like months or years. Okay. Well. But right now, feeling flag. feeling pretty, feeling pretty good, man. Feeling I don't want to speak too soon, but feeling pretty pretty cool. Well, you do have a beanie on, so that's already upping the cool factor. Uh, yeah, I actually changed beanies before you. I actually tried two different beanies. Okay, here's the other yeah, one. I've seen the red one before. I'm yeah, liking I this one that's today. It's a little bit more one. muted. It's 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 classier. Right. Thank you. I like it as well because I can. I can bring because it, it usually sits back down here. Oh. If I do it, if I bring it, it up like that, up. yeah, it kind of it kind of makes it like more of a Russian, like Eastern European, yeah. like kind of yeah, hat, yeah. which I like. Yeah, I mean, you've got so many options with that. Like that's the kind of flexibility that a cheaper, um, flashier beanie probably doesn't offer. Um, but Absolutely. but this this is more an, an adult beanie look, I'd say, um, for Thank like a, a gentleman it's on Mac the go Mac who Mac likes Mac. a bit of flexibility. That's exactly who I am. That's exactly who I am. Welcome to Deep Forward, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We are here in the podcast world delivering an audio file through the internet to be downloaded onto phones or computers for the purpose of, of an audience to then ingest that audio for some degree of pleasure or entertainment. Sitting through the internet with me, my friend Michael. Hey, what do you got to say today? Hello, hello. I got nothing to say. Do you write this intro down? No. By the way, does it sound like I write this down? Well, I just couldn't would never be able to come up with that. Well, that's why I'm a professional. That's why I, that's why I'm the CEO of this podcast, and you're the president. And I'm Nick. Hi, hi, Nick. Hi. So, have you had a fight with um, your housemate yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, give we me have. all the goss. Yes, we have. I hope you're falling apart. Okay, that's you, this is we're starting off in a real dark place, and I'm starting to see how in a few days or months or weeks, those have gone backwards in time. We might discover that actually you were not in a good place, even though you said you were. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to 
whatever um, realizations out. seep out. It seeps out very yeah. gradually yeah, yeah. over time, which is why. That's why. You know, I can't. I, it's like I'm a frog being, you know, boiled slowly in water. Why is it yeah. a frog? Because that's what they used to do to cook frogs. I don't know. I thought that was lobsters. Yeah, they did. They cooked frogs, right? Well, lobsters, yeah, well, I don't think try stands. and get... Don't try and... Are lobsters... Yeah, I don't know. No, I've got nothing to add to that. Yeah, well. um, I'm being boiled alive, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Emotionally. You're just reinforcing this narrative. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm how really... are you? Well, I was just thinking about the other day how I bashed my head against the wall. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, have you guys had any like emotional problems or fights? I really want you guys to fail. Um, I just feel like I'm boiling alive. Uh, but no, things are good over here. How, how's things with you? <laughs> I just, I just find it so much easier to lean into that side. It's like I, I, I can't. I would much rather receive an insult than a compliment because sure. it's just way easier to deal with. And I'm sure there's something there too. I saw but an article about Don't you feel like, that. you know... Go on. No, and I, the end of that sentence was, and I haven't read it yet. <laughs> so continue. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking interrupted me for that. <laughs> but I have been watching... Um, I, f- I forgot to say this on the episode last week because it was uh, for the recommendation last engine last week. But I've been watching the show called Couples Therapy on SBS On Demand. Hold on one Funnily enough... If you're doing a wreck, I've got a wreck. Should we just should we kick off with a wreck engine? Fuck it, dude. Let's do Fuck it. Fucking let's grab those fucking keys. <laughs> Welcome to Deep Thoughts Recommendation Engine. Uh... Alrighty. Um kick 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 us off. <laughs> grab those fucking keys um <laughs> it's called couples therapy i actually found it be- through watching good grief also on FBS on therapy. <laughs> no 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 no. it just came up as a i don't know if it came up it was it was on the same featured right this title. is on sbs on demand um on sbs on demand um and i i was just like i was intrigued by it it was showtime as well they always do good stuff and it's just like you're a fly on the wall to in season one, there's like four couples and, you know, they're half hour episodes and they're just sitting and watching a this therapist. This is real? This is documentary? This is real. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's like documentary style and it's just, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's just like couples on a couch and you kind of follow these couples. You see like a little bit of their per, per, like personal life and stuff. Not, not so much like dialogue, just like kind of overlay footage. Yeah. But it's just like it's so intense and it's so it's so awesome just to see how people are actually going through therapy and and as I said before, like for someone that's kind of struggles with labeling my emotions and stuff, in weird it's weirdly like it's kind of pornographic to me in a sense. Like it's so like ah oh, like I don't I can't do that or uh, does that make sense? Like it's like it's like a voyeuristic it, yeah but it's also sort of scratching an itch that you couldn't do yourself is that what you're getting at yeah yeah i i don't know how to describe it, or is it, it like is it like, like a, some... you're saying it's sort of like a fantasy in the sense that there's these these 
well, it just, characters. It who gets can... me off. Yeah. It gets me off. And like, not in a sexual way. I'm just like, I love seeing it. Uh, maybe it wasn't a great analogy, but it, it feels kind of voyeuristic a little yeah. bit. But like, it, it's also seeing these people talk about their emotions and their feelings, which is something that I've just never done. Yeah. Never been taught to do. Um, and had no education on that whatsoever. Um, and no one to like look up to in that regard. Um, like seeing those people do it, I'm like, it's so cathartic. And it's also helping me identify, okay, all well, the, these people are having like, this guy's having this issue and he's articulating it like this. And I, I can identify with that. And I, I've had that same kind of feeling. And it's like, then hearing the therapist trying to untie the knots, it's so good. Um, and th- there's a second season on SBS On Demand right now, but I'd highly recommend checking out Couples Therapy. It's really good. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, I'll have to give it a look. Um, I have one which is <laughs> about as totally far away, tonally far away as it could uh, be from that. Uh, have you seen Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar? I fucking have. I watched it super blazed. It was so funny. It is so funny. It is a studio movie, um, like a big um, Hollywood comedy. It must have been filmed during the pandemic, but I, I, I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, it's Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, who's her longtime friend and writing partner, and like a great character um, actress who you will have seen pop up in a bunch of things. Um, it's a, a film about two wacko best friends who decide they need a holiday and they go to Florida. And I think the best analogy, and this might feel uh, like it's doing a little bit of a disservice, but it, it is to me like a 2020s Anchorman. It has the spontaneous, unpredictable, unrealistic, surreal, stupid, sort of not quite improv but like f- looseness shagginess of the well, story it's, um you it's know a, it's an snl movie essentially yeah but i i feel like it is it is funny in a way that is not trying too hard like it, it's one of those movies i think where it feels like mm they just trusted that everyone was going to be funny and they didn't sweat the details too much. Like in a, in a different movie, if you had a scene where a character sat down on the beach and then had a chat to a talking crab, the studio might go, do we, do we need to do that? And (laughs) in this one, they just go with it. There's so many unrealistic things. There's a whole, like the, the overarching plot of this movie was completely unexpected to me. And where the, like in the opening moments where this film goes, like the left turn it took within like three minutes of starting completely shook me in a way that I was like, oh fuck, this is, this is ridiculous. And I'm already in love with it. So if you, if you have that itch that you still need scratch, that sort of Loose anchor manny. If you if you like the bridesmaids vibe, or if you like Kristen Wiig or her SNL performances, uh, give it a look because it's so stupid, but so funny, and and um, 
we know from things like Anchorman 2 how hard it can be to kind of keep replicate that vibe. So seeing something come out of nowhere and just hit like this is very satisfying. Yeah, completely agree with that. I, haven't, I, I probably saw it like six months ago, um, but I remember just absolutely dying laughing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think now that you say that the Anchor Anchorman comparison is apt, it's like really silly, like absurdist plot lines, but it does. It's not cheap in any way. It's like yeah. the the laughs aren't cheap. The I mean, Kristen Wiig has got to be the funniest woman on the planet. The There's moment. a lot of good competition, but she is definitely up there. Who's up there? Oh god, I mean Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. Uh, you, you They're can not. Go into are the... they? Are Kristen Wiig is viscerally funny. I, I've, like, I find... Your, your Megan Stolter, is, I would say, is up there as well. Yeah. Like, Kristen they're just, like, Schall, funny in their... Bon- find... Like, I'm not... Kristen Schaal is really funny. Maybe... I mean, it's all personal choice, yeah, I guess. Sure. But Kristen Wiig just makes me... Just, I just she, think she's, she's the greatest. She's terrific. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and the dynamic between the two leads as well. Like, they, they have such ridiculous voices... And like the whole affectation they take on, it is a, the it, the reason I wondered whether it was filmed in pandemic is there are some notable green screen moments. Like there's some definite sets where I was like, it's very rare for me to be actively distracted by a green screen in a movie, and I noticed it a few times. And I thought, okay, this was definitely shot like in a row on this one set. Again, it's a green screen, and I spotted it. Mm. And so I just wondered whether yeah. or not that was a, a compromise because they couldn't get back to the resort or something like that. So I don't know. Um, just just shooting off that and also tying back to the last app. Um, by the way, having having still having um, some really positive feedback about good grief coming in. Oh, wonderful. Um, Dave you. Stewart. Shout out to Dave Stewart. He uh, he said he watched the first three or four apps and loved it. He also said he he I don't know if he watched. Um, if he listened to the last episode that we did about it before he watched it or, and then or vice versa, but um, he said he also really enjoyed you talking about it. So um, oh, yeah, thank you. Positive comments coming in. Yeah. Uh, but my question was shooting off that was like, now that you've done a show, are you, are you just like, are you just seeing the strings now when you watch other TV or are you able to detach? Has it ruined TV a little bit for you? Uh, no, it definitely hasn't ruined TV for me. Um, I can detach pretty easily. Um, but that's sort of in the moment. And then I think after I've watched an episode, like if, if a, if a great episode of TV is, is happening or a a good movie, um, like I will sink into it. No problems. And then after the fact, my brain will tick away and say, Oh, isn't it interesting that they did x or i wonder where they filmed y or you know even like i was just saying um you know are there did they shoot this on green screen because of the pandemic or was that a choice or did they choose to put their money elsewhere or what was going on um so that kind of thing comes in afterwards but thankfully it it doesn't tend to interfere with my enjoyment of watching things right okay other than just appreciating how hard it is to make something good like I'm sure everyone has an intrinsic idea of, of the difficulty of, of making any kind of art, but God, making a good movie, there's literally thousands of people involved and every chance is going to fail. And when one's good and it makes you laugh, and you're like, fuck, that was a literal huge achievement because it was 
no guarantees that that's going to turn out funny or that that even if it was written funny would yeah. end up shot funny or be cast funny or you know all of the ways it can go wrong yeah i was actually um listening to matt damon by the way we should we should circle back to matt, matt damon after this little why what's you know, he been up to but um <laughs> um and he was saying that like he was talking about bad movies and he's he's done a few bad movies himself um and he was saying that like how the question was how do you know like um i don't know how how do you end up in a bad movie how is it how is it possible and what do you do when you realize that you're in a bad movie and do you realize you're in a bad movie and he was like yeah you can have like a really good script um but basically no bad movie starts with a bad script like you can't have a bad script and then make a good movie that doesn't happen you can have a good script and then you can have a you know shitty dynamic on set or a bad director or whatever or you know it could be ruined in post-production um but like you you just basically have to ride the wave and the only way to kind of mitigate the risk of making a bad movie is to surround yourself with people that you trust or the people that you um like working with but yeah um but he's like he's like sometimes like he said he's been on he's been on set and realized halfway through that this is a this is going to be an absolute flop and he's just like you know there's nothing you can do you're under you're under contract there is nothing you can do yeah you're just like okay well this is just a storm that i'm gonna to have to ride but he i mean he's been relatively um he's been pretty consistent the movie that he was referencing was some um it was like he was like a samurai or something like something i haven't even heard of yeah i was i was Matt. about to say like i'm trying to think because he hasn't really been in much of late so i was just curious yeah, he's had a pretty good run, hasn't he? Um, oh, the Great Wall was one was the one that he referenced. Oh, he was right. saying that he wanted to work with this. Um, I haven't even heard of this movie, but he wanted to I work with this like acclaimed director Yi Mao Zhang. He's done like a few other cool things, and then he said halfway through this movie, The Great Wall, like he so he he signed onto the script. I signed on to the movie because of the director and all the cool work he's done. Yeah. But then halfway through, there was like so he had to have everything translated, all of his directions from the director, yeah. translated. And he was like, he was doing something a certain way. And then he asked for clarification on something, and the director said, "No, this is this is the we wanted to do American style." And he was like, "Oh shit, he doesn't want to do his like." Yeah. Chinese cinema. Yeah. He wanted to do an American movie and he was like, this is not oh, going to be good. good. Yeah. yeah oh, interesting 38%. to hear that sort of um, candor from him about it. Yeah. On, on Mark Marin. But yeah, what's your take on, on the um, Matt Damon stuff? Because this, this is a, I, I'm surprised by some of the, some of the backlash that he's getting, to be honest. I, I'm a little surprised by it as well. Like, I think we know, that there is an echelon of um should Hollywood. we get context first yeah you go ahead um so matt damon in an interview can't remember with who um brought up the fact that he or admitted the fact that he was using the f word um to refer to um homosexual men um around his daughter and his daughter actually pulled him up um on on using it and wrote him a letter and, and basically was saying my daughter, you know, called me out on this and, and made me stop using this slur. Um, and there's been some backlash, even though he admitted 
that you know he stopped using it or you know it was it was a confession of sorts that um he should have known better in the first place and um is that basically it yeah i mean the context was he it's not like he was saying it in his personal life i don't think i think it was he's denied that he ever said it in in just like regular life he his comments were about the fact that it was in um well actually that's not true because i'm the the article i saw the clarification and it didn't seem to match up with what he originally said yeah exactly so the article originally the first one that came out said that his daughter had taken him to task after he used uh (laughs) they're calling it the f slur which is (laughs) i mean okay um, using the word in a joke. But you can use it though, Nick, because uh, it's your word. Still not. I, who cares? Um, <laughs> is that how it works? Yeah, sure. But you know, what what does it? What do we? We all know what word we're talking about. Um, his daughter had taken him to task after he used the word in a joke months ago. She went to her room and wrote a very long, beautiful treatise on how it's dangerous. I said, "I retire the f slur." I understood. So his first uh, comment said that he'd used it in a joke. And then the clarification that's come out is now saying, oh, I, I didn't use it in personal life. So uh, they seem contradictory and I'm not sure which one. Um, so his, his follow-up so- clarity um, clarification to Variety says, I explained that that word was used constantly and casually and was even a line of dialogue in a movie of mine as recent as 2003. My daughter, in turn, expressed incredulity that there could ever have been a time where that word was used unthinkingly. To my admiration and pride, she was extremely articulate about the extent it would have been painful to someone in the LGBTQ plus community, regardless of how culturally normalized it was. I've never called anyone a faggot in in my personal life, and this conversation with my daughter was not a personal awakening. I do not use slurs of any kind. So, I believe that's the latest. I bet he did use it. In his personal life, I mean, he's he's a Boston. Uh, you you telling me that him and Ben Affleck, when they're playing cards together, smoking cigars, didn't drop an uh, F bomb here and there? He's dropped it. I'm sure he's dropped it. But I, you know, this is so to to circle back around to it. Like, I I think it has become clear that even though Hollywood is perceived and and painted with this brush of of liberalism, right? Which might be generally holistically true. There is still an echelon of ultra successful stars and producers and people in that world who are more centrist or conservative than we might like to think because they're fucking rich, you know? And there is, does this suggest conservatism? No, no, no. Let me, let me just, let me just circle around. So we, we've seen in things like the Scarlett Johansson stuff, how she can be, a little bit, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inconsiderate when it comes to the the diversity questions and, and like her perspectives on um, uh, like playing Asian women and, and that sort of thing skew more and centrist or conservative than, you know, the, the absolute um, uh, woke, leftist yep. sort of woke um, approach to that kind of stuff is, right? Um, right. And so I think in that same kind of era, uh, so same kind of um, angle, we like to think that Matt Damon is like 100% across yeah, all of, of this guys. shit. 
you know, one of the good guys. Like he's fun. We like him on screen. We assume that his his you know interview demeanor and all that kind of stuff is he's is, smart. Like exactly. That's his perception. You, you just like ascribe positive values onto it, and it, I think it's easy to forget that there's probably shitty things that all of these people have done or said in the past, and whether it's public or private. So I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't really have. I only came into this story, I think, after the clarification statement had come out. So I only heard sort of his, I was talking about how, I, I assume it was um, Stuck on You or something. I can't remember what movie it was he was talking about in 2003, yeah, um, where one of his characters dropped it, um, which is kind of surprising in retrospect, um, how, as in how soon it, how, how recent that feels, because that's like a movie I've seen. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's just odd. Yeah. It, it's, it, it was just strange in my brain to do that um, time comparison. Um, but uh, I get it. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I just said I, I get the time comparison. Like yeah. everyone's doing that in their head. Yeah, um, and I, I was just trying to think what I thought at that time. Like, did I notice it? Or did I not? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there. I I I I think my my final point was I'm not sitting here really holding a grudge against Matt Damon. Yeah, I, I, and he's gonna you know whatever PR you know, his PR people are probably he'll working overtime at the moment, but he'll be fine. But I guess yeah, the thing is like, are we the the interesting dilemma that came out of that was that here was a guy that admitted, and I think we talked about like Liam Neeson. Yeah, a few year ago when he a few oh, years shit, ago I remember that. when he was when so angry and he, he wanted went to out kill a stalked. black man yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, he killed his, his wife. Not killed. Well, he his just wife. wanted to kill any black man. No, yeah, any, he said a black man killed his wife. No, not no, and he didn't kill his wife. Raped his wife. Uh, yeah, something. I've looked it up. So he said he walked the streets with a weapon for a week years ago, hoping to take out his anger after someone close to him was raped by a black man. So he went out looking to attack a random unrelated black guy because one black man um, raped someone close to him. So yeah, yeah that that's, came that's out. Not very, that's not very logically sound. No. That, is that's it? that's that where logic? you get the racist label, I think, for, <laughs> for valid yeah. reasons. And not to um, <laughs> sorry to Matt Damon for lumping him in with that. Yeah, but but it is interesting to see a guy who is admitting a, um, you know, something that he has corrected him himself and admitting that he was a different person and that he's changed, and then still getting, um, you know, some I don't know how intense the backlash is, but I've seen a lot of it. Uh, are we ever like? What is there any like going to be? Is there ever going to be like a path to redemption? Do, are we going to have to be, you know, perfectly perfect human beings for well, in, our entire lives? Like, that's the interesting thing to me. And also, is it just like Twitter and Facebook making noise, and that people don't actually really give a shit, but it's just amplified because of social media? I think that the question that like it came from a valid place though. Because there was an interview that the Sunday Times did when where he, he he launched into this story and this is like the original quote, I made a joke months ago and got a treatise from my daughter. Like 
he said that and he brought it on himself, right? It like they couldn't quote that if they didn't have it on yes, audio. But, the, but he's but he's admi- he's admit he's like he's like admitting it. It's not like a gotcha thing. Like he's admitting well, it. Well, I think that like, my... he's saying I used to be a shit. I used to do this shitty no, no, thing no. in my life, and now I've changed. But I think my my willingness to let it go is based on his secondary statement that he doesn't use it in right. his personal personal life, and that his context of I was telling my daughter how this happened so recently as in 2003 like it was a, a a common cultural thing but we're all you know much further along like in that context i'm like cool matt damon yeah given benefit gotcha. of doubt you know this is overblown if it's the original sure. statement and if sunday times subsequently came out and and you know i don't know how intensive this scrutiny is these days but whether or not it's um, you know, something that they'd ever post the audio of or the full interview or something like that. If that's the case where he did say, oh yeah, months ago I used the word as a joke, then I'm sorry. I mean, hold on, Matt Damon. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you making fag jokes? <laughs> yeah. Like that's, you, yeah. you're, you're not in, you're not. If it's months ago, for sure. Yeah. If, if it's months ago, then I'm sorry. I do have a problem with you, Matt Damon. Cause that's, <laughs> that's, you should know by now. Yeah. No, the time the timeline matters, but it was from two thousand and three, was it? That he was. Ref- that's the story. So, so but his daughter's so fifteen, he- but his daughter's fifteen now. So yeah, yeah but but I think in, in like if her birthday is what two thousand and six, then I suppose it, it pre it, it predates when she was alive. So she's potentially grown up into a world where where people aren't using this word unknowingly. And I think his yeah. context would be like, this was not that long ago that this was cool. I've said it in movies, right? Sure. Yeah. And yeah. And we all know that I've, I've said, I've, I've said shitty things on this podcast too. It's like, yeah, I was also listening to um, Tim Minchin, who I, I'm not like, I've never been like the biggest fan of, but for some reason I was just listening to um a song of his, and he uses it in one of his comedy albums. Like it's on Spotify right. from 2011. Uh, and he's granted he's doing it in a kind of, um, it's kind of doing it from a point of view of a, a kind of a conservative, you know, douchebag. Yeah, but it's, not it's still like it's jarring to hear, and the context obviously matters. But then it's so weird how these words. Are just like autom- they're like kind of magic. They have a magic to them. In that a power. you can just say this, and depending on who who it comes from, it's like like context is out the window, and just the fact that you they're literally like magical spells. You just like yeah. if one if particular person says this thing, you know that's that's the worst thing in the world. And it's that Louis C.K. has that has that great bit. Where he says, even if you, you know, news news readers will say, oh, the N word. But he's like, you're just making me say it in my head. Like, yeah. we all know, as you said, but it's like, it's so weird. And I'm not saying that we should be saying these words or that words shouldn't be taboo. I'm just saying it's an interesting phenomenon that we as humans have decided that, you know, certain people can say certain words. And even though we all know the word that we're talking about and we're saying it in our head, because we have to, uh, 
that you know the verbalizing is the is the thing that it's kind of sin. is yeah, the sin. Yeah, it is interesting. Bad Absolutely. Part. Yeah. The um, just to to touch back on the thing you were sort of kicking off on about the whole forgiveness from your mis- mistakes thing. I think again, there's there's two, there's a sliding doors here. Like if if Matt Damon is in the sincere way just reflecting on the fact how recent this occurred in movies and culture, I think. He is a testament to the fact that people can be forgiven because he said fag in a movie in 2003 and he's fucking Matt Damon still, you know, like he's, he's, his life's gone on. He hasn't, there hasn't been repercussions. There yeah. hasn't been a mob coming back and saying, Hey, you said this back in. He's no, he's, he's still Matt Damon. If there is, yeah. if there is the context where, um, the original interview was, was true and, and he's using it as a joke, then I think there's some valid questions to raise about that. And, and we'll see how, um, how it plays out as to where we settle on either narratively or as a society in, in our perceptions of him. Isn't it interesting as well to go and compare him to um, the Ben Affleck track at the same time? Because Affleck's on this whole, yeah. like they've been side by side, but in like inverse of each other all this way through where he was the fuck up for ages and Matt Damon couldn't do any wrong. And then this kind of like <laughs> yeah. flip about eight nine a decade ago now they started to see a little bit of a okay born's over what's matt damon doing next not much but now here comes ben on the outside directing yeah, argo he's argo. got some the towns yeah. in there you know like the, the all of a sudden this perception's changed and now yeah. here's fucking ben affleck out there with j-lo again living his best life and, and matt damon's <laughs> in the news for being a shithead and you're like ooh, yeah it's well, like, no, he, it's he actually, like neither um, of them can be good at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's they a great split the talent a, and the and the the fortune between them. It's so true, and um, I've just I've just listened to two. He's doing the podcast circuit at the moment, so I'm, which I'm one? Hot on Affleck, Matt, Matt Damon. Damon, um, and he was saying that this uh, the perception of him versus Ben has started at um, Goodwill Hunting, which they famously wrote together. But because Matt Damon was the lead in it and he was like a smart guy, um, that people's, the public's perception of Matt Damon was vastly different to Ben Affleck, who was kind of, you know, seen seen as a bit of a party boy. And I guess he did, you know, he was dating J-Lo back, you know, in the early 2000s, whatever. And they just kind of, even though they... never stopped catching up and they never stopped, you know, exchanging ideas and whatever. The it was just complete public perception. Even though, you know, Matt Damon's well, he, he thinks that he, he says that he's he's not smarter than than Ben. But uh yeah, it's they've had a very interesting trajectory, those two. Yeah. And and like you said, like Ben Affleck's done some really cool stuff. Like he's yeah. directed he, Argo. He, he, to be fair, out. like he also did like after they, they their careers kicked off, he did some shit. Like those early two thousands for Affleck, like Daredevil GG. and yeah, yeah like there was some, or whatever, not some good stuff. So he didn't he didn't do himself any favors there when he started taking other roles. Yeah, I guess not. And he's you know he's back on the booze again, isn't he? Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, we can only wish them the best. <laughs> <laughs> I I do I do wish the buzz like you know we all love we all love Ben and Matt yeah everyone loves them just a couple yeah. of Boston lads yeah making trying to make it out in this world yeah you know how it is Nick I'm I'm a Boston lad 
not dissimilar to you and me. I, I would say I'm the Ben Affleck in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but I get to say fag without anyone complaining, so that's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, poetry, dude. By the way, pretty cool that um, Eichling B liked our post the other day. Yes, that was exciting. I wonder whether uh, I mean. she gave us a listen. <laughs> yeah. Do you think she'll give us a plug in return? You fucking hope so, mate. Like we gave her a pretty decent shout out. Pretty, pretty. De- we got dozens of followers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, uh, yeah. Uh, we're we're climbing up there on the Instagram. We're actually u- losing followers on Facebook. I don't know if you've seen this. We, yeah, well, it's like, because losing, we're not like two. It's because we're not getting any um, parsnip news out there. We're not getting the Snapchat going, and all of those. Well, that those you know that's your hitters. zone. Yeah. You know that's your your territory there. Yeah. Um. We're sort of in a in a ramble chit chat thing. I I I feel like we're going to do some seggies in a second, but can I just ask uh, one tiny follow up? And and I don't know um, how deeply we need to get into this, but where where are you sitting on the the um? Give me, give me a cancellation Me Too spectrum hot takes on uh, like Louis C.K. on your Thomas Middleditches, you know, like where, where, where's your mood on, on these people? Are you following Louis? Where are you at? Yeah, I am following Louis. Um, I'm still on his mailing list, if that's what you mean. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it's, I, one of the, the podcasts I listen to most is one of his openers, so I hear I hear a lot about um, Louis C.K. He's actually making another movie now. Um, he's making so another stay, movie. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, he's making a movie apparently. With who? Um, I am assuming it's self financed. Like no one's gonna make sure. that. But like, who's gonna be in it? Joe List is the only one that I know who is okay. his comedian. Right. Um, I'm not really sure what your question is. Like. What I just, is my like, well? You, you were talking about the the sort of the when are we going to forgive people? The whole cancellation thing, which has been a bit of a theme for you, you know, for a little while now. And I was just curious whether or not you'd you, you know you you had a, a palette for these people, or whether you're. Uh... I I would say that I'm easily like triggered by, um, like people getting cancelled like i think the idea the can't i don't i don't want to use the word cancel culture but i'm gonna to have to i think cancel culture is a phenomenon that's happening right now even though a lot of people don't like to admit that it's happening and i think it's directly a result of social media i think people have been getting quote unquote cancelled for you know decades pre- prior but because of social media um people are getting taken down for you know, past mistakes because you can unearth things. It's just the way how the way the media landscape is has has panned out. Um, things from you know years and years ago can get unearthed, and you can get um, you can basically lose your whole livelihood for those things. Like I think there there is a you can the other thing is that you can you can seem it seems that you can lose you can lose your career, you lose your job for not even holding the same uh the the right ideas or the 
or having the right stance on things, which I think is is extremely worrying. Um, do you want to chime in? Do you look like no. you're about to say something? No, I wasn't. I was just I was listening. Um, so I think I think I could I could be more sympathetic to, um, you know. I don't know if, if if something's legit, like Harvey Harvey Weinstein. I know that's beyond cancellation, but you know, with things like Louis C.K., I I do feel like, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not as easily I, I don't I I am I I'm able to separate the art from the artist, and I also think that is a personal choice, and that it should be a personal choice, and that if you are able to, you know. If you're able to still listen to Louis, a guy like Louis C.K., knowing all the things that he's he's done, um, then you that sh- that should be okay. It should be it should be kind of like oh wow, you're able to do that, rather than oh that's not that's not cool. Like you should be you should be um, you know turning your back on this guy. Like yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. But if that just at that last point though, if you're like, why do you think someone should be given it? Oh, that's interesting. Like, oh, good for you. Like, is no, it- I, I'm saying, I'm saying, if I, if I, it's a, if you as a fan, if you should be able to have the choice to or make a personal choice whether or not you still continue to support the artist. Yeah, I agree with that. But then you were saying that a, a third party looking at your choice to, uh, you know, patronize Louis C.K.'s art. Um, you want the response to be like, oh, you know, that's interesting. Good for you. Um, yeah. Not uh, a, uh, why are you doing that? And that's that's just the point where I, when I lose you a little bit, because surely if that's a personal choice, you're still subject to external criticism of that, right? Yeah, I guess I just don't feel like it's um, it's... It's not just criticism. It's like you're a bad person. That that's that's it's criticism, like accusatory. Do you think they're not like, a bad person? Like do, what, what? Do what, I think? Do someone? Is it not valid for someone to think another person that that supports someone who's, you know, done sexual harassment crimes or whatever? is a bad person can't, can't they think that they can think that but i just okay yeah they they can think that you can think anyone's a bad person but i my point is that some people are able to to separate those things some people are still able to watch a roman polanski movie and i wouldn't take that as an, an indictment or a judgment on on that person if they continue to watch this you know artist's stuff or you know support them like i don't think it's an indictment on the viewer or the or the fan it doesn't say anything about their personality i don't i don't know that i agree with that i think it does say something it's not it's not meaningless that they 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 can or choose to do such a thing right I, i agree that there's like there this is a bit of a wild comparison but but if you think about the foundation of the United States of America, like all of those founding fathers who are icons of, of, um, history and of, of the nation and of, of what 
became America, many of whom were geniuses and, and revolutionaries or um, diplomats or politicians and all deserving of renown in their own way, had slaves, you know, like they, they were still fucking racists, you know, and there is somehow a ability within, I guess in this case, the American culture, but perhaps culture more generally, to separate and say, yeah, these people owned slaves, but they also created the constitution which enabled the you know the growth of a, a a democratic society you know and and people do seem capable of splitting those or holding those two thoughts in their in their head so i suppose there is something to be said for a positive ability to both know something and investigate or appreciate the works they created know something um, negative or bad about a person and also still, um, you know, respect what they created. I suppose the the comparison here or the, the contrast here in, in a modern day context to me seems to be that when this person is still around, when they're still potentially profiting off what they're doing, then the choice is not an abstract one in a historical context. It's a, do I want to pay someone who did a bad thing money? And I think that deserves to be examined, doesn't it? Doesn't that, doesn't a choice to give a, a person who admitted to or was found guilty of doing bad things, giving them money, doesn't that say something about the person who gives them money? Well, I guess I just don't actually see the connection between taking away someone's livelihood um, and as the punishment for the bad thing that they've done. Like, I don't see how the those two are connected. Like maybe if you're, you know, if you're, you're basically, is it because you're enabling them to keep doing what they're doing? Yeah. Or I mean, if the livelihood is doing where the they bad did thing? the thing, then sure. Right. But right. the other but thing is like, you do understand just, taking just, away a I'm livelihood. I'm just going to interrupt here. Just Can with I, the Louis C.K. thing, you're not, you're not, you're, your funds aren't going to do it. Like, he's not continuing to do it because you, you know, I bought his special. Well, he's got to get money from somewhere, right? Like, making a movie is going to cost money, but then he hopes to make money off it somehow, right? He will sell it to you. So, you choosing to buy that special or buy that that movie is giving him money, isn't it? Yeah, but so so what? Like, how, what does that have to do with the thing that he, the bad thing that he did? Because, why isn't it a a rational argument to make that if he was in a, uh, you know, media context, abusing the power dynamics that he had to place women into a sexually uncomfortable positions, that he shouldn't be then given another opportunity in a media organization in a position of power to. Uh, do the same thing again after he's proven he can't be trusted in that area, after people suffered as a result of what he did. It's like, hmm. let me let me take it to a, a carceral contrast, which is where I was going to go previously. Uh, in terms of taking away people's livelihood as a punishment, that's called fucking jail. If you murder someone... They get taken out of the context where they were living their lives and they're put in a place where they can't do that thing again. This is a, a standard yeah. <laughs> punishment. It's just not but at that level, we, right? But we also have jail, though. Like, jail still exists. And, 
but the things that a lot of people are getting quote unquote cancelled for, they're not actually crimes. Like they're it's they're shitty people, but they're not. That's crimes. I mean, we're talking in so many generalities here that it's impossible to say it one way or the other, right? There are there are <laughs> some things. Spectrum. Yeah. There are some things which are definitely crimes. There are some things which could have been prosecuted that people don't choose to pursue. Mm-hmm. There are some things that could have been crimes, but they've passed the statute of limitations. There are some things which could have been crimes, but they're in the wrong district. You know, like it, it, it's no point getting into the specifics about that stuff. You're right sure. that there is a criminal system that does exist and should be used against people who've committed crimes. But my point was merely just at a high level, you found it, you, you stated that you found it difficult to understand how taking away someone's livelihood was an adequate punishment. And I'm just making the comparison that we've done that historically speaking now for quite a while where you can take someone out of right. their life for the bad thing they did. That, that was the only Point comparison taken. I wanted Point to Point taken. Um, yep. But is the, goal, is the goal for these people to never work again or just not in the, in the context that they were found to be doing the bad thing that they did? Again, we're talking generalities here. I think my previously stated position is I'm all for people bettering themselves, acknowledging their mistakes, getting on with the, um, uh, like coming to terms with the harm that they cause and actively trying to improve themselves and the world so society is better off than it was. Like I, I want to give people the space to do better. Um, I think that the Louis situation in particular is one where it, it felt like he didn't live up to the standards he set himself and he didn't actively try and improve the world around him and atone for it in a sincere fashion. Um, and as it, he sort of very quickly took on this sort of persecution complex, which I find quite unpalatable. Um, so in, in, in that context, uh, I, I, I'm not really interested in, in seeing him in that, um, comedic context anymore because it, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like he's earned the right to re-enter that world um if there was a sincere kind of effort made from people i i think assuming that the people around them and in that industry or in that sphere get to choose whether or not they're <laughs> working with this person too sure let them back in um but if not then i think I think it's fair to say that if you can't, if you've not made a sincere effort and you can't be trusted in this area, then I don't think you should be able to, to step back into those, those industries or, or workplaces. Mm. Okay. Well, so yeah, well, I guess we, we, we just disagree on this. Mm. So but, you think um, that, that even if they've done a bad thing and even if they haven't, sincerely tried to get better for it they should still be able to work in that same area well look from from another uh, another angle here it's basically cancel culture is just the market determining what 100%. the market wants yeah um my issue but my issue with that with that is that it's fake it's like people are, don't actually care that much about this stuff they it's just it's just clickbait and amplified on social media so it seems like people care when it's actually just you know online publications and and news outlets just putting out you know trying to drum up fury like i i to a certain degree i i i think you know and and again it depends on the severity of the crime yeah i was going to say do you know or this the, or 
it's it's probable that some of the some of the things there are overblown because it is just clicks and stuff but like there will be other things which are not right it's so hard to make it exactly like some of it's obvious yeah some of it's obvious as was evident with you know the what did the chaser do the other week where they were like fairy bread you can't call it fairy bread oh yeah and um, and they they faked that thing yeah and they're just kind of pandering to this you know right wing thing which was which is funny but like they also made the point that a lot of this is exists purely online and not actually in in people's hearts and minds yeah that's fair I mean, we sort of circled this in a couple of directions now. It just increasingly feels like the internet is bad, right? Like this is ultimately where we're getting to, right? Where there have been uh, quite sincere societal impacts from this thing in democratic terms, in in social terms, in career terms. uh, but then we also wouldn't have wouldn't have had the Me Too movement without the internet. So there is some good that can that can certainly come of of the internet and social media, but it is just very hard to moder- moderate because we're basically just working this shit out as we go along. So yeah. no one really knows what they're doing, and it's such a reactive process that it's like we bend, 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 break reset like that's how it's going to work and that's my prediction for how it's going to have like what's going to happen with you know cancel culture it's like people will probably just get you know too tired of canceling everyone so that will will come back to a more stable and and rational approach as a society so if that's the case which might be true why are you concerned about it why do you think why are you worried that that people are um you know being too uh unwilling to to forgive people or too um extreme in their their cancellation you know well, vendettas why do you care then if you think it'll sort of all even out in the end well because it's so blatantly unfair and it's so blatantly inconsistent um that's the that's the reason and people are, are, lo- are losing their livelihoods and it is like it is it does seem um you know authoritarian to me to get try and get everyone to agree with the same party line and the same ethos and the same you know think the same way and and we're losing we're losing nuance and we're losing you know discourse in some ways we're gaining you know the long form podcast is is booming now so we're people are craving this but i just think that you know we're we're losing actual people for for silliness and we'll look back on this as just a bit of a silly time but hasn't historically there always been some kind of in and out and whether that's you look back 200 years and you've got the the social strata of the haves and have nots you know the rich and the poor or whether it's like the 19 50s and you have you know endemic racism everywhere or the 80s and you have gay people or even like just women you know all the way like look look back at monica Lewinsky, right the narrative around that um that scandal at the time was how like what a horrible person monica Lewinsky was and and there was definitely like uh, obviously, Bill Clinton was under investigation for it. Like he didn't escape without attention on it. But but the narrative around her 
was this like slut shaming kind of craziness, right? Where I think historically, uh, or with a bit of distance, you go back and you go, this was a woman who was, you know, um, so fucked up. It, it is fucked up. Like it was a woman who was in, uh, you know, the fucking president. She was was there. She was vilified. She was Joan was of Arc essentially. Yeah. And and that I think is a is a, a prior times version of cancellation, right? Like you've got that whole um, reflection now on Britney Spears, right, and how they treated um, those pop idols with this kind of dagger, you know, daggers and sharp teeth, and 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 the way that they would um, crucify everything they wore, the way they looked, that kind of thing, and and that was an era, I think, of cancellation where the in-group was the straight white men or whatever, but probably just men. That was an in-group and, and the outs and the cancellation was on people who didn't fit that definition of the, of what was acceptable behavior, right? You had the, um, it, it, there's always been these kind of tribal motions in society as it comes to terms with who gets to be a part of it and who doesn't, right? And I guess my, my my ultimate point here is that if now that that process is taking place in in the sphere of these men who've got away with shit or now has it's come out that they've done shady shit um that just seems to me like part of a process that's spanned decades and isn't right. inherently something unique to now it's just the now is it's applying to a certain group of people do you think like monica Lewinsky had an easy time getting a job after that do you think like the, the, the cancellation has always been around it's just now it's applying to a group of people who don't like it very much well now it's also applying to men but you're just assuming that it's just happening to men it's also happening to women it's happening to Chrissy Teigen and Ellen and you know uh, absolutely it's, but- it's your argument that we should just allow you know cancellation to happen because it's a natural process no i just think that the outcry that comes from men and it and it does tend to typically come from men about how unfair this is seems to have only come out because they're now the subject of the the gays where previously when it was happening to Britney Spears or whatever or um, Janet Jackson when her boob came off at the Super Bowl or like all these kind of things they weren't yelling out like god no this is you know we can't be cancelling women's careers just because a guy ripped her bra off during the Super Bowl you know there's I, I my point was just that it's only I think because men have now started to suffer it themselves that there's been more of this outcry about how is this fair well, it's never fucking been fair. It's just that now you're also subjected to it because finally <laughs> the rest of the world, thanks to the internet, has a little bit more say over it all. Well, first of all, isn't that what you would expect anyway? Like if it was the if it was gay if gay people had it really good for like thousands of years and then I mean that like once you're affected that's when that's when you can speak up and like maybe we should all try and be more conscious of how every group is being affected as we go but like that what else would you expect well i mean i don't know i think that's a broader question about societal empathy right like how many groups on the out band together for solidarity because they recognize how difficult it is to be persecuted right like you see allyship between different disparate communities um that that 
have been subject to kind of pressures and and potentially there's an argument there that um we all need to be more empathetic about how this affects other people but i suppose my counter would be that there has been a degree of <laughs> um empathy and and understanding from certain demographics previously in a way that was um not reciprocated by the 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 core like majority like the absolute straight white male majority didn't have to have that empathy because they always got what they wanted i i certainly i certainly don't disagree with that and i I think that's definitely a factor but i think that argument underplays the um the role of social media i mean that that has rapidly changed so quickly in the last 10 10 years and five years 100 percent. i agree yeah and so now we're not seeing, you know, just major celebrities getting taken down. We're seeing like the guy, you know, the tech guy that works at Google getting taken off. You know, like we're seeing all these all these little guys or the medium guys getting taken down as well. I mean, it's it's affecting everyone. It's affecting. I mean, I'm now now I'm hearing myself say, "Cancel culture is affecting," you know, the little guy. And I don't mean to say that. I think. I and I, I I do agree that people need to be held accountable for their actions. I just think the people who there's no one at the in the cockpit of this thing at the moment, and the internet is just kind of driving itself, and it's out of control, and there's like no I don't know, it's just it just it's just inconsistent. It's inconsistent and unfair. And yeah, maybe I'm I'm just another white guy who's like, oh, you know, now I'm being cancelled, you know, or, or I'm, you know, this is this might affect me, or how am I going to get a job, you know, if, when I said the n word on a podcast five years ago, which I didn't do, by the way, I've never said the n word on here, <laughs> but, um. Yeah, I think that was basically my point. That it's just yeah. it's just out, it's just out of control, and it's like it's there's there's no rhyme or reason to it. It seems. Yeah, I mean, I I think that we, that's a broader discussion about um, social media, which is due then. Um, but interesting, interesting debate there or discussion. Oh, thanks for thanks for bringing it up. I, I've I've been wanting to kind of talk about this with you for a while, but I've been too scared to bring it up. Ah, no, it's good to be honest. Um, if you want more of that, we have talked over the years about uh, about Louis. I think there's a couple. I think uh, there's one called Huey Lewis and the News, um, which was about that when it first came out. So look around that era. We, we had quite a deep chat about it then as well. If you're curious, and you can find plenty more of that in the podcast feed on deepfort.podbean.com or on your podcast provider of choice. You can also follow us on Facebook. Apparently, we're losing followers. So if that's you, no hard feelings. Uh, <laughs> Twitter.com/deepfort. That's got all of our updates when an episode goes live, and Instagram's got photos and that sort of thing. Check out our jingles in uh, the SoundCloud, and uh, you can of course send us an email to deepfort at gmail.com that's where we answer your questions and your comments um thank you for playing along i'm worried that i'm gonna get some unsavory comments thrown my way after all that unsavory i think you might get some comments but i don't think unreasonable yeah by the way how how um speaking of oh actually yeah fuck it um 
how I won't say who it is, but uh, this podcast now has two degrees of separation from Elon Musk, which is pretty <laughs> cool, man. And um, just so you know, I've already I've already asked to have him on. Uh, waiting oh, to good. hear back. Oh, good. Well, that's yeah. um, that's not going to happen. But cool, cool. <laughs> you know, he's he does some cool. he's done some weird shit. He's done some shit. Yeah, I mean, this would be this would be up there. This would be up there. <laughs> but sure. sure, he named his baby XS twelve. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's true. Going on like there's an actually an amateur no, podcast isn't. There's absolutely isn't no guarantee that, that he wouldn't come on. If he's, yeah, I mean Jeff Bezos. By the way, what are you thinking of billionaires in space? Do you hate them? Yeah, not a huge fan. They didn't even fucking go to space. If you want to impress me, go to fucking Mars. Like, don't just tip a toe into the atmosphere and be like, ooh, I went to space. Oh. Actually, get in, you know? It's like it's like standing in the waves of the, like, the shore and you don't want to wade in because your dick's going to get cold for a second. Just jump in, you know? That's Rip off the take. Band-Aid. Yeah, dude. Anyway. I mean, I'll tell you what, if I had a billion dollars, first thing I'd be doing is going to space. I'll tell you what. Or yeah. almost space. Okay. Hey, uh, Michael, how do you feel about a little bit of science news? I'd bloody love some, mate. Well, let's put the fucking jingle in. If I can do it. Oh, I'm going to press the jingle button now. Uh, put up some fucking science news or some bullshit now, yeah. Yeah, let's put the, let's put the music audio into the files. <laughs> so Bergen. It's that time. Time for science news. This is going to be a little bit intense. This is uh, okay. this is this is sciencey. I promise you, science news. I'm I'm telling you right now, this is there's science in this, and I'm I'm just warning you, you got to get ready because you're gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to get some focus. I'm gonna have to walk you through some principles here, and then I'm gonna blow your fucking mind. You ready? Blow me, baby. Okay, Look. let's let's leave that in the edit. Um, my mind. Uh, this one comes thanks to Sean, our favorite friend, Sean, who has sent through this incredible article. Do you have it open in front of you? Got it open. Yep. This is an article about how we are blind to the color blue. Okay. Let me walk you through some already. I'm going to walk you through some, some bits and pieces here. We're going to join some dots. Okay. Light travels very fast. Yes. But then when it hits certain objects like water or glass, it gets refracted and it, the direction bends. Following me? Yeah, I was just laughing. I thought that was going to be your science news. Life that's travels really news. fast and that's science news. <laughs> that's science news for this week. Okay, that's step one. Light, when it hits a different material, refracts through that material, right? Assuming it's transparent. Yep. That's 
what lenses are for. We use a lens to focus light. You can shape the path of light with a lens. So that will concentrate different beams of light into one focal point on the other side of the lens, right? We're building up to the idea of the eyes, right? So a lens bends the light. Now, there's a thing called chromic aberration. No, there isn't. There's a thing called chromatic aberration, which is the principle that different wavelengths of light, different colors of light, bend different amounts when they pass through the prism. So that's how you get a rainbow. All of the different wavelengths split out different amounts and you see the full spectrum of light. That's called chromatic aberration. So when you are trying to focus on something, those focal points of the different colors of light are actually different distances away from each other. So in our eyes, uh, we no one lens, i.e. no one eye shape, would be able to simultaneously focus on the color red, the color green, and the color blue because of the, the basic physics of those wavelengths, right? Those focal points huh. are in different places. So the brain, and, and you know, this is via evolution, um, over uh, the development of the eye, basically picked a spot which is equidistant between the green and the red wavelengths. The focal points of the green and, and red wavelengths of light are actually quite close together. And then the blue is quite significantly further away. So the eye is sort of perfectly targeted to split the difference between green and red. And the upshot of this is that it basically fakes focus for the color blue, right? That's, that's, my, that's my first big headline here. Your eye isn't actually able to focus on light that's the color of blue, but we do, right? We see things that are blue in focus. Are you following along with me so far? So it's approximating blue? So it's still receiving the color blue, but not with definition. So okay. it can't focus on it. It just sort of takes it as color information. So it's like that splotch over there is blue. That thing over there is blue. But here's the genius of the brain. The brain takes the focus information from the green and red wavelengths of light and knows that that bit's sharp. That's what it's designed to hit. That's where it's actually getting focus is in between that those green and red wavelengths of light. And it just ignores the blurriness that it's getting from blue. Wow. And it just uses that for pure color. It just fills it in with color, but it ignores the blur. So your brain in wow. real time is processing only the focal points of green and red. And it just it's like a it's like a bucket tool on an on an image processor. It just dumps the blue in where it spots generic blue. And so that's how you wow. can look at something that has blue on it and see it in focus even though biologically our eyes are incapable of seeing it. So let wow. me let me now actually blow your mind. Let me destroy it for you in real time. Wait, that was pre that was pre-blow. That's that's blow number 1. Now let me really finish you off. This <laughs> article <laughs> Oh, it's doing so well. Um okay, this article here which I've put in the chapter title, I encourage all of you 
to click on it in your podcast links right now. Open up your podcast player. Click on this chapter. I'm on it right now. At the bottom of this article, well, the the article is great. It's very clear. It explains what I just said out loud about the um, science stuff. But then you get to photos of the earth. Okay, let me, don't scroll ahead of me here, Michael. Let's go through it um, Okay, I'm on the earth. So the earth, there's a, a generic picture of the earth. So to visualize how little definition we actually get for sharpness in blue, what we're going to do here is take an image, split it into the red, green, and blue components, blur one of the channels, blur one of those colors, and then put the image layers back on top of each other. You following me? Sure. So we're going to split off this image into three different colors, blur one of them and put them back together and then see how our eyes interpret it. So the original image of the earth has a bit of green, has a bit of, has a lot of blue, has a bit of red, right? So scroll down to the second picture here. This is where we take the green channel out, you blur it, and then you put it back together on top. So on the left-hand one, we're seeing the, the gray, that's blurring yep. the left-hand one. And then on the right, we're recombining it. And you see a blurry um, earth, right? That's not a very sharp image, right? No. It's, no. Now let's do this. green as well. Correct. Now let's do the same with blue. Scroll down to the third image. We take the blue channel yep. out, we blur it, and we put it back in together with all three layers. The one on the right is sharp. So even when you've gone out taken the blue, blurred it to all fuck, relayed it on top of it. Our brains still look at that blurry as fuck blue channel and say, yeah, that's a sharp picture of the earth. It looks exactly identical Holy to the original. Shit. And yet it is not the case. There is our brains playing tricks on us, taking the sharpness from red and green, ignoring the blurry blue channel and just c- coloring those that blue back in. It's ridiculous. Oh shit, dude! This is let's let's go one further. So let's, well here. Let's go to the fourth image. Let's do it to the point where it is so fucking blurry you'd you'd find it almost inconceivable that you could see anything after it. The heavily blurred blue channel is basically a smudge. It's like a thumb on the um, lens of a camera, and yet you recompile it back in with the other layers. It looks a lot bluer but you still see definition. It is uh, a true marvel of the human brain and its um, uh, evolutionary um, development. It's um, kind of remarkable. Wow. Are you going to read this conclusion to sum up? Uh, Yeah, I will. Um, Our brain extracts some color information from the blue channel, but delegates sharpness to the red and green channels that are in focus. This result is so astonishing that you have to wonder if there is something that may go awry from modifying and displaying these images on a computer. This is one of many examples of our brains being much more powerful than our eyes. Too often we think of our eyes as perfect cameras. However, it is the brain that is able to accommodate for all of the optical shortcomings in order to resolve the world. Dude, that's unreal. That's so cool. It's excellent. Please go out and check it at home. It, it's, uh, it's hard to sum out the uh the uh, i guess optical illusion um just in audio but please go have a look it's great it's so it, i i still can't get my i still can't get my head around the idea that like colors there's like no colors really it's just like waveforms and like uh, just frequencies of of light traveling at you and that like do other do, do dogs see the color blue 
they'll see the color blue, but they might not. S well, I don't, I mean, I'm saying generally some animals would see, would pick up the wavelength of light we call blue, but we don't know that they'd see that color in the way that we see that it. That color. Yeah. And also like blue is like the most unnatural. You, blue doesn't come up in nature that much. What are you talking Does about? It? The ocean. But that's not, it's the ocean isn't blue. Here it is. It's the sky. It's just reflecting the sky. No, it's and not. that's just the and that's just the the ocean's not blue. Yes, it is. No, the ocean just ref, is it. No, water water is very faintly blue. The sky is the sky, the is, sky also is also blue. blue. You are you are right. Yeah, that is true. The sky the sky is blue, and the ocean reflects the sky. But the ocean is clear. No, What's blue not. about the ocean? No, it's not the water. Water's not blue, dude. Yes, it's it is. clear. <laughs> yes, it is. What are you if talking? If there's clouds, the ocean is still blue. Is it? What's blue? What could be? What, what's blue about the ocean? Well, why, why is, is anything any color? The it's the it's the it's the wavelength of light. It's being bounced back, right? That's the but what part of the because water is clear. So what part? It's transparent. But so what, what is not... What, what are we looking at here? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much first principles, like, light stuff we need to talk about here. But, like, the colour you see is the colour that's... So, when, when something looks red, that is the only wavelength of light that the physical object is bouncing off into your eyes. It's absorbing all other wavelengths of light and leaving... Uh, red so it bounces off and that's why we see it as red so uh, uh, water is blue because the component molecules of it reflect the wavelengths of light that are blue and it's hard to see that until it is in such a large body Scale. of water large aggregate mm. that you see it on mass really yeah i don't know about that theory you don't know if, if, if <laughs> I light disagree <laughs> i mean no i just i i i pure I just pure water you... pure water is blue it just has a very slight blue color that's just that's Why, an intrinsic though? property of the way that it absorbs and scatters white light and and if there's like salt or other shit in it it can give it a different color but it it is it's only colorless in like small quantities. Well, what about this then, Nick? When it's nighttime, the sea is black. <laughs> How to explain that? I can't. I can't. I can't. You got me. Daytime, blue. Nighttime, yeah. black. black. There I we are. I rest my case, dude. I rest my case. <laughs>